Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH streaming live on all those smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Home. A tree in North Seattle that was a half inch too small to be saved finally got cut down. But of course, it spawned a bigger movement, and that is what's trending. What's trending? The environment. It all started a few weeks ago, about a month and a half ago, with Luna. That massive tree in the Wedgwood neighborhood that activists, who all happened to be named Droplet, climbed into, refused to come down so they could stop it from being cut down for a four unit affordable housing complex and they ended up winning after that i said this is gonna continue this is gonna continue now that you gave them a win you just told them exactly what they need to do so then they decided to get behind a douglas fir tree in north seattle lazily named doug is a very lazy name what else are you going to call it? You might as well have just called it Douglas. Well, Doug is short for Douglas. You no, know, I, I got that. It's better that. than Luna, which was just random. I would rather a random than an uninspired name is all that I'm saying. That's all that I'm saying. But this week, arborists said, yeah, we're going to cut this one down anyway. It has a diameter of 29 and a half inches, which means it's short by a half inch, 30 inches would have prevented it from being cut down. It would be labeled a quote-unquote exceptional tree by the ordinance, the tree ordinance that was recently signed in Seattle. 29 and a half inches. When everyone tells you every inch doesn't count, yes, it does. Look at that. And by the way, because it's so small of a, right, are they sure they got it right? (laughs) Like, how did they get it? Because when you've got branches and everything, that one, right? I mean, I'm I know sure it's they, diameter, but I'm sure they measured precisely. But what if there was like a piece measured of bark? twice, cut once? What if there was just like one piece of bark that just fell off that was a half inch, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh no, no, it's it's twenty nine and a half inches. We can cut it down." Tree activist Sandy Shetler spoke with Cairo Seven TV. She said developers should be. Able to create housing without cutting down all of these gorgeous trees. It's totally doable to build new houses and keep these amazing trees. So we need to do that, and we're not going to give up. Yeah, well, you just lost. Seattle is in the top five of growing urban heat islands across the country. And how that happens is tree by tree. Well, you lost this tree. However, they haven't decided to give up on this type of activism because now Cairo 7 TV is reporting a group called the last 6,000, which I'm assuming is a reference to tree canopies in Seattle. They put up signs in a latest effort to save a tree from the Seattle department of transportation construction. SDOT approved an installation of a new water main and sidewalk. And They want to remove this tree that's there. But we're being told now that the last 6,000 and other tree activists, they're going to cause a big stink again. And yet again, because it's a very small group of loud, annoying tree huggers, 
Sandy, and if you think that that's an insult, they literally were hugging the tree when I was there at Luna. So it's not an insult. I did not mean that in a derisive way. I meant that quite literally. I 100% believe you they were hugging the tree. A mom comes over with her kid and says, go hug the tree. And the kid looks up like, what? Did you hug the tree? No. I pretended to be interested in the tree lady. That was what I gave. Here again is Sandy, who says, we need to save the urban canopy. We're already getting inundated by people who want to protect trees. This is part of climate justice. It is not right to be removing our urban forest that keeps us healthy. Well, water is kind of important, too. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, you, You don't have to accept it, but I'm putting it on the table. That water is also incredibly important. And when we are talking about a water main, which is going to serve that entire community, also important. That's all I'm saying. And so, yet again, we can only build in so many places. <laughs> okay? The chances are rather high that there's going to be some kind of vegetation, be it a tree or a bush. I don't hear them crying over the bushes that we cut. They are actually arborist should be considered racism against plant life, right? Uh, that's kind of a stretch, but I, I, see, I, see, I see where you're going What with are you going to call them? Treeist? It's, or it should be arborist. Maybe this is a word that can mean two things. Well, you know how that goes. Well, I'm just saying, if you're an arborist anyway, you're cutting trees down, you're clearly a tree racist. <laughs> that's all I mean. Okay. Uh, here's the deal. This is going to continue and continue and continue, especially if media amplifies this. And I don't know why there's a fascination now with unimportant trees being cut down. They've been cut down in the past. They will be cut down in the future. There are certainly ways to mitigate in certain circumstances, and I imagine that they try when they can. But in other circumstances, one side's going to win. And... I would prefer the side win that represents more people. Trees are important. Trees can bring shade to your home. There's no doubt about it. Greenery, green life, green space is incredibly important. But so is housing. So is a water main. So are sidewalks. We're going to have to pick and choose. And unless they're going down and just randomly cutting everything for the sake of cutting it, I don't see this as a tremendous issue that we should be complaining about. But then again, I'm not a tree person. Are you a bush hugger? I do like bushes more than trees because you can do so much more in a bush and not get caught and not fall down. That is accurate. I'm just saying. I don't want to know what you're doing in the bushes, though. Well, you know, some people, when you got to go, you got to go. It's a fair point. I I can't argue. Can't argue. Push the button. What's trending at home? So it's uh, hot again. I don't know if you realized it. Not quite as hot today as it was yesterday. We just reached 90 degrees in Seattle as of about an hour ago, maybe. And there is a whole bunch of stories right now, but there's this one particular story that caught our attention here because I love stories that involve tips of any kind. I, it does not matter the subject. If it says tips for X, Y, Z, whatever it is, I'm in because the tips are never useful in any way, shape or form. Never. Never. 
I've never read a single tip in the history of news article tips on any subject that were interesting. But this one was tips to get a quality sleep during a heat wave. And it's provided by Dr. Martha Molly Billings. They put Molly in quotations like it's a nickname of some kind. If you have a doctor with a nickname, Molly or Rusty, no, no, we're out. I don't care. She's not a medical doctor who sees patients. So that, does that negate her medical license if she yes, has a nickname? Does. Oh, yes, okay. it does. Would you go see a doctor or trust a doctor who had a face tattoo? <laughs> Just asking. Like yes or no? T- no. No. Why? Because. Because it says something about that. Yeah. Is it fair? No. Do we judge anyway? Yes. But a nickname and a face tattoo are now in the same category? If you put your nickname in like a press release or on business cards, yes. Just go by Molly. You think I'm going to ask for your ID anyway? I don't care what your name is. Seriously, do you think I'm going to ask for your ID when I go and see you? No. If we get a press release from Dr. Molly Billings from UW Sleep, am I going to respond back and say, I'm just double checking here. Is that really her first name? No, of course not. You just should go just with imply Molly. it's Martha. Yeah, I'm just actually just to make her upset. It's Martha. So she's a physician at the Sleep Medicine Center. So I guess she does see patients. And she suggested a whole bunch of tips that I pulled. <laughs> here's, here's one bit of advice that you always give, but she's just repackaging. Some white noise, I think, can be helpful to kind of cut down on the environmental noises because everyone has their window open is the other thing to get that cool breeze at night. Okay, so let's just go over what she just said. I think white noise can help. So you're not even confident in the tip that you're giving, but that is a tip. That has nothing to do with the heat. It doesn't make you cooler. It doesn't make you forget the heat. You're still miserable suffering in bed if you don't have AC or a nice cool breeze. So what kind of stupid advice is that? So that's number one. Strike one. Another tip is apparently not to smell. Taking a shower before bed can be helpful. I've seen people take a hot shower to kind of vasodilate or taking a cool shower and just getting especially your head wet, and that can really cool your body down. Yeah, until you get in that bed and 20 minutes goes by and then you're hot again. And by the way, it's not meaningful tip to say, you know, put cold water on you. That's not, that's not a tip. That should help, though. It would literally cool you down. In the moment, the second you get into bed, then what? Just continue to pour water on yourself. I Just don't know. Constantly, we don't have water beds anymore. Here's another one. I love this one. Avoiding vigorous exercise. Oh, really? Because that is also activating and then can make you hot. Oh, so don't do things like exercise in the heat because it's going to make you hot. And I'm glad she said that because those of you who exercise in cold realize there's no not even any sweat. You're just constantly cold the entire time. What? Again, what does that have to do with sleep? Nothing. I've not exercised, period, but not at night while I'm sleeping because I'm sleeping. The only thing exercising is my imagination. Here is more from Martha. Keeping the space kind of dark and quiet and using the fans to kind of keep that ear moving, I think, can can help a lot. That's very helpful. Thank you. I am 
I'm confident tonight I can just turn off my AC and be cool because she told me to open the windows and put in a fan. Thank, thank you so much. Because you know what? Up until she said that, I had not even thought of it. It did not even cross my mind. Not even a little bit. Jason Rance presents innovative ways to stay cool during heat mageddon. Stay in air conditioning. Now back to the Jason Rance Show. You see, we can all do it. I'm not even a doctor. My name is Jason Michael Rance. Yeah, I just gave myself a new nickname. I was like, is that your middle name? It's not my middle name. It's my brother's name. Oh, my God. Wait. Jason Rance presents innovative ways to stay cool during heat mageddon. Don't get too hot. Now back to the Jason Rance Show. Put that in a press release. Send it. Attach my book to it. Even though my book has nothing to do with anything related to this conversation. Although there is a chapter on environmentalism. And then we're good to go. I, I want to know what we what was of value there. Other than UW Sleep Medicine Department at Harborview or whatever it is. Just getting their brand out there. Because that's... You've offered nothing, but I guarantee you there have been outlets that picked this up today. I guarantee, and I'm assuming they have. one of ours did because it's in my, it was in the audio system. So what was of value there? I'm being totally no, serious. And someone at home, maybe you can tell me the value in this. 1-800-465-8770 to send me a text. Because some of you right now are in Monroe and the idea of going to bed tonight it's 94 degrees there right now, and you don't have AC because you, in, in a silly way, decided to eschew my advice and go to alpinehvacpro.com, a wonderful sponsor. And now you're just suffering. Did you get anything out of Martha Molly Billings? No. I was hoping for like a thread count analysis, certain types of sheets that would be more beneficial for sleeping in hot weather. Sleep at an angle. Sleep on your side. Sleep, put your head where your feet normally are. And your head where your feet are. Or your feet where your head is. Were, was. Okay, I'm, on a I'm pillow. lost. Okay. Put your feet on a pillow and don't put your head on one. That's what I'm saying. Or keep the pillow where it normally is at the head of the bed, but move your head to where your feet are. So just flip. Turn could, on a- could that make it cooler? How about this? Sleep nude. She didn't say that. Yeah, she could have said that. Sleep outside in a puddle. I was going to say turn on like a video of a snowstorm on YouTube or something. That'll make like you convince think yourself. cool thought. It's like the Yule log, only the opposite. Oh, my God. Push the button. What's trending? You can't make this up. Washington passed a law mandating a business that receives a delivery from a truck driver or uses a truck service, the driver, to actually send out packages. You have to provide that truck driver a bathroom if he or she needs it. This is a needless law. It is a solution in search of a problem. And honestly, it seems a little bit sketch. Do the kids still say that? Do they say it's sketch? 
Kids can say that, okay, yeah. Okay, just say yes. You don't have to downplay yes. it. Just say you're cool and hip. You got the lingo. You have to do something. And going out in the wild like a bear does is just kind of not really the thing to do, you know? Again, let's just go back to the last, our first story, Bush. A Bush would have come in handy there. That dude's name is Tilden Curl. That's not his name. That is this is, a Molly situation? I believe that is his real name. Tilden Curl? Appar- apparently. I, I don't know what you want. I don't know if I you like that name. You want me to give him a fake name? No, I don't know if I think it's a cool name or a weird one. Or both, maybe. I kind of like it. Tilden Curl? That sounds way too edgy to be a trucker, I'll be honest. I think it's a cool name, but I think it's too cool for the guy. See, you're wrong. I think it is the name of a columnist who writes advice to single women who are looking for love. Tilden Curl? Tilden sounds like a girl's name. I guess. I've never heard that name once in my life. Tilda Swinton, similar. It's not the same, but still. Well, in any case, he's a 30-year trucking veteran, and he speaks to King Five here. And he says it's pretty stressful if you can't find a bathroom, which I think most people <laughs> totally understand. Sometimes you go, oh, I'll wait till the next rest area. And then you get two miles from it and it says rest area is closed. That's when panic sets in. I will put that back on you, though. You did not. You could have just pulled over. I'm just throwing that out again. Take some responsibility. So now if you go in and you say Tilden is, is picking up something from this building or we're shipping something and Tilden's picking it up. Okay. He can just come in and say, I, I have to use the bathroom and you have to let him in. There's some rules around this. Like you can escort him to the bathroom. Um, if If you can't safely use the bathroom because maybe you're in a a manufacturing plant of some kind and you have to go past dangerous equipment you can technically say no according to the law or if there is a a specific health concern right so that's some spreadable disease you don't want to okay fine what business before this law said no to the truck driver or the delivery person, or the postal worker. If the postal, let's go all the way down to the postal worker, the lowly postal worker. He knocks on our door, he comes in, delivers the mail. All the stuff I get is garbage or, or scary handwritten notes from people in prison. And he says, I have to go to the bathroom. Do we say no, get out of here? No, we, we allow the person. I want to know where this is an actual problem. It's cert- I, I get the problem of trying to find a bathroom. I, I totally get that. I 100% get, get that. The last time I was driving through Index to Leavenworth, I had to pee so badly. And thank God there was the one rest stop. And then, of course, once I got out, someone recognized who I was. The chances of that happening. I didn't want people to see me going into the bathroom. You don't want people to know you're an Index. I get- I don't want people to know what I look like, oddly enough, and I'm on TV all the time. Tell me how this was a problem to begin with. Tell me. You see, he attempts to, this guy. And the reason why we're talking about this particular bill right now is because Washington, D.C. is considering their own version of this, and they've looked to Washington State. That, according to the state's trucking association, we're being used as a model. He says this to King Five. During COVID, a lot of, of people didn't want you to come into their facility to use their restroom. I mean, 
you were the hero, but you couldn't go use the restroom, you know. Okay. This law, let's say COVID came back and it was an epidemic again or anything, a pandemic. The law gives a carve out that says you can't use the bathroom if they don't want you to in that circumstance. So this law didn't even address the one concern he said he had. We're no longer in COVID. So now that COVID rules are gone, you can go back to asking if you can use someone's bathroom. And here's the deal, Tilden. If you have to pee that badly or, well, not number two, but if you have to pee that badly, you can use our bathroom and we don't have to ship anything with you because we're just good people. I'm not, but the, our front desk person is. Isaiah is the nicest person in the world. And he will allow you. He will. I've seen him escort people to the bathroom. And that's going down a flight of stairs because we don't let them use the newsroom bathroom. I don't know how on earth you could park a semi truck anywhere around here. I don't. That's not my problem. That's his problem. Understand. I'm offering. I'm offering a bathroom, and you're all like, "Well, you could give them a parking spot." No, I'm giving them the bathroom. Well, where's the law to give them a parking spot? I don't. Now you just gave them an idea. That's what they're going to do next. Oh my god. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text message. It feels like a Friday show. Maybe because it's my Friday. 1-800-465-8770 your texts. When we come back, it's time for the Big Local. Young, Tacoma, Bremerton, Bothell. This is the Big Local on the Jason Ranch Show. Redmond, Sumner, Kent. Stories about you, not about Seattle. Look at that, 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for The Big Local. Brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services. Online at alpineclean.com. It's the part of the show where we completely ignore stories coming out of Seattle and instead focus all of our attention on the communities you live in and care about most. We start in Tacoma and really greater Pierce County. It's a story from our All Transportation Agencies Are Incompetent file. Comes to us from the Tacoma News Tribune. Pierce Transit is giving up on this massive bus project, although they're just they're characterizing it as we're putting a pause on it. Instead of the bus rapid transit project, which was like a 14 mile long rapid bus lane. One that was supposed to be completed last year. But it wasn't. One that had a budget of $150 million, but it doubled. And yet they still haven't even done anything on it. Now they're just going to go with what they're calling like expanded bus routes, where I think they add a couple extra buses to the route and they get priority at traffic lights. Like when they get close, it signals the light. All the cars that have been stuck in traffic this entire time. Too bad you. We're giving it to the bus. That's all that they're doing. TNT says the various agencies that have jurisdiction along the 14 mile long route, the State Department of Transportation, the city of Tacoma, Pierce County, didn't always see eye to eye on overlapping facets of the project. Business and homeowners who stood to lose property and access along the route sent planners back to the drawing board. So you committed to a plan that you didn't have buy-in on. You committed to a plan where even the agencies involved didn't all agree. 
And now you're telling us not only is it overdue by at this point now eight months, I think even more than that, you're double the budget and now you're going back to the drawing board. Is that is that where we're at? That that's what we're all okay with. I guess we're all no, no one's gonna say anything. No one's gonna be like, um, yeah, no, that's not good for us. Can we have our money back? Let's just go with this this alternative to the bus massive project. The biggest problem when we're talking about any of these transportation agencies is poor leadership. They didn't manage growth in a city, county, or this state. They didn't convince the public decades ago to invest in transit or or light rail or a train or whatever it happens to be. And now they try to sort of push it wherever it is they can. And if they can't, they'll just eminent domain you. It's remarkable how... Every And I think I said this with Chris Sullivan, our friend from our sister station who does all things transportation. Tell me a single transit agency that is competent. Tell me one. Um, one. Uh, even, even, how about yeah. this? Even this. Like, close to competent, but not quite there yet. Um, yeah, I got nothing. Okay, how about this? Halfway to where you would need to be to be considered competent. Mm, still got nothing. Exactly. And that won't change because you think anyone loses a job over, over this? No, of course not. They probably got promoted. I also, I just because I was on the Tacoma News Tribune website, I just caught, this title caught my attention. After controversial gender identity remark, Grammy winner to appear at the Northwest Washington Fair. And at first, I was like, gender identity controversy. What was that? They're talking about Neo. <laughs> Neo, someone who I didn't even remember existed, said last week on a podcast that he would not allow his young kid to make a life-altering decision like changing one's gender and that we don't allow these kids to do lots of things. Why would we let some five-year-old just determine that they're a different gender and just go along with it without having these conversations with the kids? Why would we just go with it? And people pretended to be offended by that, even though it was a perfectly, perfectly reasonable position. His publicist apparently posted an apology on his Twitter feed. Then he was all like, no, you're fired. And I, I, made it the, I made the fired part up. I would have fired him or her. But then he posted a video saying, I'm not apologizing. I didn't say anything wrong. I 100% backed that statement. And everyone supports that except for the, the, the fringiest of the fringe. And it felt like in this title, which just rehashed the whole story, was both a press release for the, the concert, but also, weirdly, it felt like they were trying to get this to become a controversy again. This never became a controversy. The only people who were truly calling this out, and you saw it in a meaningful way, at least on social media, were conservatives saying, this is weak sauce. Do the kids still say that? Weak sauce? Um, yeah, probably not so much anymore. Okay. Well, if they were cool and hip like I am. They would have been like, this is weak sauce. Why would you apologize for this? 
I was one of them. I said, this is a cowardly response. Why would you do that? That's absurd. And so he took it back. But now he's going to perform for anyone who's interested on Friday as part of the Bank of the Pacific Grandstand Entertainment Series, which I'm pretty sure is in Linda. Right? Something like that. You remember, he was supposed to play a show in Bellevue, like, gosh, probably like 15 years ago, and he pulled out I do out remember. Day oh, of. I do remember, yes. This was a big deal. Why? Why did I, he pull out? I don't remember why, but I just was remember. Was it a gender identity issue? Uh, probably, yeah, because everybody was worried about that in 2009. Did he make an, a transphobic comment at the time? I, I'm sure he did. <laughs> Renton is bringing back its dog walker watch. Try saying that quickly. Just once, you're not going to be able to do it. It was on hiatus during COVID. And it's essentially, it's pretty much what it sounds like. It's it's a community watch, but you're walking your dog. And they're doing that because it's good for the dog. It's good for you. And if, God forbid, you were attacked, your little three-legged pug, who doesn't want to go on this long walk with you, by the way, will go ahead and attack the bad guy. The city tomorrow is hosting training classes early in the evening. They decided to do it at 5.30, which cuts into my long-form interview, so I won't be attending. The Renton reporter says, The program trains dog owners how to effectively observe and report suspicious or criminal activity when routinely out in their neighborhoods. Now, I have a quick question based upon that specific explanation of the training, okay? The program trains dog owners how to effectively observe and report suspicious or criminal activity. Is there something specific about being a dog owner in which the training only applies? I don't think so. Okay. So why not then just provide training to people who are walking in their neighborhood? Why does it have to be a dog? I was kind of joking when I said it was so the dog could attack because otherwise we're not going to tell an individual person alone. Hey, you know, 47-year-old uh, single mom with four kids, you can go for a long walk by yourself. Leave your kids at home for four hours. I'm assuming it's you've got the dog with you. That's the protection. Right? Yeah, I, I guess so. That's the only thing I can think of. But again, I'm going to and I'm going out on a limb here. And say that they probably don't need a dog to get something out of this train. Now, this is what it looks like to be activated. Right? We talk about that on the show pretty often. Getting activated in your community. You don't need an official program to get activated and just pay attention. And connect with your neighbors and just say, hey, why don't we all just go for a walk? Right? You've got kids. I've got kids. Let's bring them together. Let's go to the park. Like, that's what it means to be activated. The more people who are out there on the streets, the less likely crime is going to occur. The more people, the more witnesses. That's how it works, usually. 1-800-465-8770. Send me a text because you pick the news in the next segment. Story number one. Vivek Ramaswamy responds to a pansexual reporter or... The New York Post reporter who was threatened by that professor with a machete tells us that machete professor might not go to jail at all. And I have some mixed feelings about that. So which story? 1-800-465-8770.
pick the topic on the Jason Rand Show. Indeed, you do get to pick the news, and you went with a Fox News update on a pretty important story and one that was high profile amongst conservative outlets, at least. It's all about a New York Post reporter who ended up getting threatened by that New York City college professor from the Bronx who pulled out a machete and held it up to his neck like an absolutely insane story. And we're now learning that that professor might get off without any meaningful punishment. And I will say I'm a little tiny sliver of a bit on the fence on this story. Mostly because I, I, you know, I agree with the reporter. His name is Reuven Fenton. But here's the story. A since-fired New York City college professor who threatened a reporter with a machete could end up striking a plea deal with Bronx prosecutors in the case. Shalene Rodriguez was seen on video in May lunging out of her apartment and into the hallway where she held a machete to veteran New York Post reporter Juven Fenton's throat. Fenton had knocked on her door for comment because of a controversial story having to do with her conduct at Hunter College. And as some of you will recall, you had some college students there who are anti-abortion. They were handing out. They actually weren't even handing out in a traditional sense. They just had some pamphlets, some materials on their table. That's it. They weren't going up to people and saying, hey, you better take this. They weren't shoving it in people's faces. But it triggered this college professor, Shalene Rodriguez. And so when she saw this table, she first sort of screamed at them, calling it effing propaganda. But then she destroyed the table, destroyed the display. She was throwing things all over the place. And once people figured out who this was, they were like, wow, this is a professor on a college campus who's choosing to do this. This is absurd. And originally, there was no punishment, at least that we knew about, or anything meaningful. She wasn't fired for her conduct. But then this incident occurred with the machete, And that's when they decided to terminate her employment. I don't know what she's doing now. If anything, she probably got a higher paying job at another liberal arts college. But beyond just holding this machete to his neck, when the guy left the apartment complex, and by the way, he didn't break in. Everything he did was legal. She ends up again going after him, chasing him with the machete. And according to Fox News, this prospective plea agreement specifically to charges of menacing and harassment, is getting to the point where it's possible she gets off with potentially just some community service hours. They say over at the Bronx District Attorney's Office via a statement, we have not determined nor communicated a plea offer yet to Rodriguez. We're reviewing the information sent by defense counsel, continuing our investigation, and keeping the victim appraised of any developments. Now, usually what you end up having is some sort of, you know, plea deal of not only do you have to do 30 hours of community service, whatever it is, community service hours, but you also can't get in trouble over the course of the next one year, two years, whatever it happens to be. Kind of depends on the individual crime. And it also kind of depends on whether or not they have a history. And as far as we know, this College professor, former college professor, doesn't have a criminal history. So Fenton went on Fox News this morning, Fox and Friends, and 
he was just flat out asked, hey, what do you make of this possible plea deal where she will escape any meaningful punishment? And really, by meaningful punishment, we mean not going to jail. What, what would you take away from that? Do you think she should serve time in jail based on her conduct? Do I want to see her go to prison is, uh, is, is something that I... I I don't necessarily want. I mean, I, you know, somebody, somebody from the Bronx prosecutors asked me, said, you know, what do I want out of this? And I said, what I want is for her to change. That's really what I want. That, of course, is never going to happen because I, she's so indoctrinated and a, and a woman at her age. I mean, she's never going to change. So I tend to agree with that to a certain extent, at least. And that's where I start thinking about whether or not she should go to jail and what that means. How long should she go to jail? Should she go to minimum security? Should she go to maximum security? I believe that you're certainly not going to get her to change and to think what she did was appropriate if she gets off scot-free. And I do think getting off with just some community service is getting off scot-free, right? I do think that when you are punished, it can change your behavior. It certainly depends on the behavior. It depends on how much you're engulfed by your bias, which is what we're dealing with in this case, an ideological bigotry. I don't know what kind of punishment is enough to get someone like that to change, but it's obviously true that the older you are, the more ingrained you are, the more hardcore you are about your principles and values. And by the way, that's normal. It's reasonable even. Unless you have unreasonable values. But at her age, and she looks to be in her 50s, I believe, maybe even a little bit older than that, but probably about in her 50s, you're not going to change your view. You're going to be, in this case, she's going to be pro-choice forever. Pro-abortion, she seems. But it's the non-punishment for holding a machete up against someone's neck and then chasing them that just, it doesn't sit well with me. Because I, I agree with... Fenton that just putting her in jail isn't going to really do anything for her views and and she's a dangerous person with views that she's willing to defend with a machete but just the idea of no time in jail for a threat like that that very easily could have escalated into Fenton either getting hurt or killed I mean God bless uh, Reuben Fenton because he was able to do something that I don't think many of us would do when she came out of her apartment with that machete holding it up to his neck, he did not move. Now, maybe he was frozen with fear, but someone might immediately react by fighting back, which then could trigger the professor to hack him with that machete, possibly to death. So we kind of got lucky that this didn't end in anyone getting physically hurt, emotionally scarred, probably definitely happened to Reuven Fenton. So how do we how are we okay with that just not suffering any kind of punishment? I'm not saying throw her in jail for a decade or a year or even a month. But I do feel like something has to happen. And because she's unwilling to change and she's probably unwilling to even apologize, sincerely apologize. It just rubs me the wrong way that she would get off with no punishment whatsoever as it relates to jail time. So how about this? Two weeks in jail, maximum security, or a month in minimum security? Just to send a a message to everybody else. Because it's not always, a, a punishment like this is not always about the individual criminal. 
especially when we don't think that that individual criminal, one, cares, or two, will change. It's to say to someone else who might think that this is an appropriate way to react, yeah, we're going to take this seriously and we're going to put you in jail. Because don't you think that when someone sees this kind of reaction and realizes that there's no punishment that they might be, if they're already kind of in that headspace that this professor was in, willing to do exactly the same thing? Why do we keep seeing smash and grabs? Why do we keep seeing juveniles stealing vehicles? Why do we keep seeing people smoking fentanyl? on the streets of downtown Seattle. It's because they know that they can get away with it. There are no consequences. And since we implemented policies or laws that say, yeah, we're not going to throw you in jail. We're not even going to make any arrests. We're definitely not going to prosecute. What have we seen since? We've seen an increase in that bad behavior. So why would we think not punishing her won't lead to an increase in that kind of horrible behavior? I think that's why I, I'm, I find myself, again, on the fence in, in the sense that I don't want her to go to jail for a year, but I do want her to go to jail. What do you think should be the punishment? Send me a text. 1-800-465-8770. 1-800-465-8770. What do you think is a fair punishment? I'm very curious about that. You're listening to The Jason Rand Show. When we come back, we're going to dive into the campaign trail Alexis McAdams from Fox News. She's a correspondent. She's been trailing the various campaigns as they're shaking hands, holding babies, avoiding phallic-shaped food at the Iowa State Fair. And there are a lot of implications ahead of next week's debate, which, by the way, we will be carrying live right here on KTTH at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show.